We are studying the book of John, and again, if you have a Bible tonight, either paper or electronic, look with us to the book of John, chapter 14. The book of John, chapter 14, and we'll begin reading with verse 16. Uh, I'm gonna, well, let me begin reading with verse 15, just for one verse, and then we'll pick up on verse 16. And sometimes when you study the Word of God, sometimes we forget that what the disciples are hearing, they have no idea what Jesus is talking about. Uh, we have the, uh, the rest of the Scripture. We have uh, looking at the book of Acts. We know what's going to take place. And Jesus is going to be talking about something that's going to take place after the resurrection. But they're, they're still not figuring out the resurrection. Right now, they're not even figuring out what Jesus is talking about, that, about him dying. They, they don't understand this. He said one of them will betray him. They, they didn't believe that. Who? You're talking about us? And, and so right now, they're really confused. They've been following Jesus three and a half years. They, they believe he is the Messiah. They believe he's the anointed one. They're probably thinking it's more like a military king. They're really not sure. They just don't really know. And so what Jesus is teaching them in chapter 14 and also in chapter 15, they're not getting right away. But we have the advantage because, again, we see it... From hindsight, we can look back and understand it better. So keep that in mind as you hear what Jesus is saying to the disciples. And what will happen, you'll hear it probably for the very first time tonight. So let's look at it. John chapter 14, again, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world give do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let us go on from here. Pray with me. 
Father, tonight this passage is, is filled, Father, with information we know, we need to know. And so, Father, I pray that we'll hear it maybe for the very first time. Hearing it, understanding how it can change our lives. And Father, let us understand this incredible truth that we are not alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus has told the disciples he's leaving. Again, they don't understand it. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He gave them a promise. He said, I'll go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back to you. In other words, I'll, I'm going to come back. Either when you die, I will take you to heaven, or, if, uh, or else I'll come back the second coming. Either way, I will take you to heaven. That's what he's saying to them. Then he made the promise we looked at last week. He said, you're going to be able to do greater works than me. And we talked about that last week, what that meant. I mean, they, can't, they couldn't even understand what Jesus is saying. What do you mean? We can do greater works than you. Well, he's telling them that you're going to do greater works than I did because of the power in them. And that's what he's continuing here to explain more on that concept that as believers, we can do the work of God. And it begins with a promise. It begins with this promise, he says in verse 16. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to do greater work than I can do, that that I've done, and I will be with you. And I will give you a promise. This is one of the greatest promises he ever gave. I'm going to give you the answer to a victorious Christian life. I'm going to give you the answer to have power in your Christian life. I'm going to give an answer to you how to be effective in the Christian life. And here's the answer. Here's what he's promised them. I'm going to go to the Father, and when I get to the Father, he's going to bring to you a helper. Sometimes the word is comforter. And by the way, three times in the next few chapters, we're going to see that word comforter or helper. He says, I'm going to bring to you, I'm going to send to you someone who is going to help you. I give you a promise. If I go away, I'm going to send someone else to help you. That's what he's saying. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Jesus promises them that after he goes away, he's going to send them this comforter. Now, that word comforter, sometimes translated the word helper, is also used in the book of 1 John 2, verse 1. Where the Bible says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. Same word. That word advocate, same word used, helper, same word used to be for comforter. The word is paracletus. Sometimes people say paraclete. It was a technical word. It comes from two Greek words coming together. It meant to be called and alongside of. And it's a very popular word in Jesus' day. So, for example, a paraclete in Jesus' day was considered someone to stand beside you in a courtroom. So if you were arrested and you were standing before the judge, you were standing before the court, you could have a paraclete, a lawyer, or a friend to stand beside you. And they would be there to comfort you. They would also be there to answer questions if it was like a lawyer. But they come along beside you. Or a paraclete, not only was somebody coming alongside you like a lawyer, it was also a friend. It could be a tutor, a teacher. 
So in that day, your student is learning and they're writing or learning their numbers, and the paraclete, the teacher, would be standing beside them, looking over their shoulder, helping them. When they got stuck on a problem, the the paraclete would show them and help them get the answer. That's the word Jesus used of this promise that he's going to send someone to us, a paraclete, someone to come alongside us. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So what that means is whenever you need guidance and you pray for guidance, it is the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who comes alongside to speak to you, to guide you. When you need help and you pray to to God the Father, I need help, it is the Holy Spirit, the, the paraclete, the comforter, the advocate who comes alongside you to help. So Jesus gives to us this promise. But I want you to notice this promise involves a person. Verse 17 this comforter, this helper, he said, that is the spirit of truth, truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Please understand something tonight. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about an it. We're talking about a person. We're talking about God. And from the Bible, we see these clues about who he is. So, for example, the Holy Spirit is a definite person. He's a person. You're a person. I'm a person. Jesus was a person. Our comforter, our advocate, is a person. Now, sometimes people will use the word it to describe the Holy Spirit. That is incorrect. Now, the reason it happened, I can tell you the history behind that, is because the King James Version in 1611, they didn't really distinguish between masculine and feminine words and neuter words. And so there's a verse of Scripture where it talks about the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. A little confusing, which says the Spirit itself bears witness. Well, grammatically that may be right, but theologically it's wrong because the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force in the world. The Holy Spirit is, is a person. That's what Jesus said. Notice how many times he used the word him in verse 17. He's talking to the disciples about this comforter. He's talking to the disciples about this, this advocate. And he's saying him is a personal pronoun. The Holy Spirit is a person. Let's not insult the Holy Spirit by calling him an it. The Holy Spirit is not a, a force. We're not talking about something out of Star Wars or Avatar. This is not New Age theology. We're not talking about a force that we don't see. We're talking about a person. The Holy Spirit is, is not a feeling. And we're not talking about you know, super spidey senses. We, we're talking about a person who guides us. And so when you look at the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, you find out that he has the essentials of a person. In other words, he has a personality. A person can think, a person can feel, and a person can act. And you look at the scriptures regarding the Holy Spirit, you see those three items related to him. You see him uh, feeling, you see him thinking, you see him acting. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 27, it refers to the mind of the Spirit. He knows the things of God, he thinks. We know that he makes decisions. The Holy Spirit can search. The Holy Spirit can teach. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit can call us. He possesses intellect. That's what it says. He can think. Why? Because he is a person. 
the Holy Spirit can feel. I mean, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you cannot grieve an it, but you can grieve a person because he has emotions. The Holy Spirit is capable of acting. I mean, how many times in the Bible we see how the Holy Spirit leads individuals? How many times we see the Holy Spirit working in lives, in people's lives? The Bible says the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and gives us talents. He gives us helps. So we see him acting. So our advocate, our, our paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is a person. It's not, he's not an it. Now, you may be thinking, well, who cares? What difference does it make? It makes a big difference because it determines how you're going to relate to the Holy Spirit. It relates how you come to him personally. It relates how you pray. It relates how you think about your salvation. You see, the Holy Spirit does not come in installments. You cannot get some of the Holy Spirit. That, that would be impossible if he's a person. Now, if he's an it, you can get installments, but not a person. For example, right now, you are in this room. Are you in this room or not in this room? You're in this room. Why? Because you're a person. When you receive Christ as your Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes into your life, which means he comes into your life in totality. Why? Because he is a person. He is a definite person. So it makes all the difference in the world whether you look at the Holy Spirit as an it or as a person. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is just an it, then the question becomes, how can I get it? How can I get it? You know what that means? That means pride. What can I do to get something? But if the Holy Spirit is a person, it changes the question. Now the question is, how can the Holy Spirit get a hold of me? That's humility. You don't brag about that. If you consider the Holy Spirit an it, it's about what you do to get it. But if you realize he's a person, you can't brag. You just... Open your heart to him, the Holy Spirit who takes possessions of us. It is the Holy Spirit who provides us the power to do his work. It is the Holy Spirit who works through us. It takes away all the pride and takes away all the ego. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us victory. I mean, that's unbelievable. You think about it. We can't take credit for anything. You and I can never take credit for anything spiritually. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. Because he's a person. Now, please understand, when I say a person, I'm talking about a divine person. I'm talking about God. I mean, this advocate, this paraclete is still God. Because notice what Jesus said. Verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, if you mark your Bibles, that word another is very important. Because in the Greek language, there are two words for another. The first word is the word uh, heteros. That means something like it, but not the same. So if, if I, I'm going to uh, trade in my car and I get another type of car, there'll be another. Or if I, if I tell Eileen, hey, hey I'm going to bring another pet home. Okay, that, that won't happen. But let's say I did say that. If I use heteros, it won't be a cat. It'd be a dog. It'd be a, another kind. It's a pet, but it won't be the same kind we have. The other word is alons, which means it's the same thing. So if I told Eileen, hey, I'm going to bring another pet using that word, then she will know, oh, you're bringing another pet exactly like we have another cat. 
Or if I go get another car of that, using that word, I'm going to get the very same make and model of what I already have. So Jesus says, I will send you another helper. In other words, just like me. The Holy Spirit is God. I will give you another one just like me, just like Jesus. So Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And so I know this gets really confusing. You're going to get a headache. I'm sorry. Because it's very complicated because we really will never understand this. The Father is God. Jesus is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. Now, it's a word we use to describe it. It's not found in the Bible. That's correct. But it's a word. The concept is it's called the Trinity. Very hard concept to hold on to, to grasp. The early church struggled with it. And here's how they defined it. They they came up with two statements about the Trinity. They concluded that God is one in essence, but three in persons. That the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are co-equal, co-existence, and co-eternal. This is, listen, you're not going to be able to figure this out. God cannot be reduced to logic. And I've read all these different trying explanations. None of them work, okay? They don't. Because this is something unheard of. It's kind of like trying to describe to someone infinity and eternity. Infinity says there is no beginning. You start thinking about something with no beginning and see if you don't get a headache. You start thinking about eternity. That has no ending. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You get a headache. You can't comprehend it. So when we say the Trinity is a concept found from the Old and the New Testament, what we're saying is there's one God in three persons. We do not believe in three gods, okay? That's called tritheism, and that's heresy. We don't believe we have three gods. We have one God. We say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. Secondly, we don't believe there are different forms of this God. Some people say, oh, well, God became Jesus for the moment, and then when Jesus left, he became the Holy Spirit for the moment. No, that's heresy too. That's called modalism. Doesn't mean that. We believe they existed, coexisted eternally. God the Father did not create God the Son. God the Father did not create the Holy Spirit. Third, we do not believe the Father, the Son, the, the Spirit are, are three different parts. We don't believe, you no, know, the Father is one third, and the Son is one third, and the Holy Spirit is one third. No, they're God. Can you understand this? No. But the Bible clearly teaches this. And so when you come to the Holy Spirit, you see the Holy Spirit is a person who is God. The attributes describing God is used to describe the Holy Spirit. So in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, the Holy Spirit is referred to as eternal. In the book of Exodus, the Holy Spirit is is referred to as the spirit of holiness. In Zechariah, the Holy Spirit is, is defined as the spirit of grace and supplication. The same characteristics of God the Father is used of God the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a divine person. So in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus is given the Great Commission, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name, which is singular, okay, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is teaching, he doesn't say in the names, plural. He said the name. Why? There's one God. 
Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Again, one God, three persons. Again, how do you explain this? There is no perfect way. This is one of those doctrines we hear and we accept. But here's what we need to understand. Jesus said this comforter is going to bring us comfort because he's a definite person and a divine person because he's God. But Jesus also says this comforter is going to have power. He's going to have power. I want you to notice this. Now, remember, Jesus is God, and he has all power. And while he's walking on this earth, he's fully man, another concept we, we, we struggle with. But Jesus performed all these miracles, and the Holy Spirit will give us power to do work of God. That's what Peter talked about in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10. He said, quote, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were on the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. Did you hear what he just said? Peter preaching in the book of Acts chapter 10 said, the, power, the person of God the Father anointed God the Son with the presence and the power of God the Spirit. In the book of Acts, it says we shall receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon us and when, when Jesus came, arose. Through the Holy Spirit, we're not alone. And through him, we have power. But not only that, we have his presence. Look at verse 17. That the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and you in him. This Holy Spirit, this comforter, this paraclete will abide, dwell in you. Now that word means to make a home. Jesus says, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, the advocate, who is going to make a home in you. He doesn't say, I'm going to bring, send you the, the paraclete so that your heart becomes a motel where the Holy Spirit will come a few weeks and then can leave. No, he used the word to dwell forever. Again, this is one, another one of those verses that reminds us that once we're saved, we're always saved. He says in, in verse 16 that he may abide, again, forever in you. That's eternal security. He says, I'm going to send you the comforter, and he will make his dwelling in you. And so Jesus says, not only am I beside you, I'm going to be in you. Look at verse 20. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. We are never alone. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you have the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 23. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Same thing. He is going to dwell in you. Now, what's interesting in, in John chapter 14, verse 2, when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that same word is used in verse 23. 
Jesus says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you eternally called heaven. But while we're waiting for that, I'm going to make my abode in you eternally. So we have heaven on earth when we have Jesus. He lives within us. That is the comfort. I go and prepare a place for you eternally, but while I'm doing that, I'm going to prepare a place in your heart eternally. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to make my home inside of you. And that means as believers, whenever, wherever we go, we take the light of Christ into a dark world. That is why we can have the assurance that the best days are ahead of us. That's why we can have the assurance that no matter what we're going to face tomorrow, we can face it. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. That he's going to guide us. And he's not going to leave us. And look at verse 26. And because of this, he says, but the helper, again, the word paraclete, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. I mean, again, this is an amazing thing. He said, the presence of the Holy Spirit living within you means he will be able to teach you everything I've taught you. We don't have to worry what we're going to say in witnessing. I think sometimes we, we freak out when we want to witness and we're afraid, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. You're not going to say the wrong thing if you trust the Holy Spirit talking through you. He's going to be there. Now, I can't tell you how many times you've done it too. I'll be teaching and somebody asks me a question and all of a read in a book, heard in a sermon, somebody asked me a question, and it just comes to me. You know why? It's my great The Holy Spirit brings it to me. Do you see what Jesus is telling us? Why should we fear? We have the Holy Spirit within us. The presence of the Holy Spirit guiding us and giving us power and giving us you know, lessons to show us. And Jesus is telling the disciples, now, I'm telling you this all before. You, you're not going to remember it now because they don't understand what he's saying. But he knows after he dies on the cross, they will remember this. And the Great Commission, they will remember this. He said, I'm telling you this, verse 31, that the world may know that I love the Father. I do exactly as the Father commanded me. He's comforting the disciples. It's going to be okay, guys. I won't be here. You won't see me. But I'll still be with you. Because I'm going to send the comforter inside you. I'm going to send the person of God inside you. He is going to give you power. He is going to give you the ability to do my work. I will never give you an assignment that you don't have the power to do it. Every time God gives us an assignment as a church or as an individual, here's what I know. I have exactly what I need at this moment to start. We don't have to wait. God has given to us what we need. I don't know if you heard the story, read the story on May 10th, 2022 in Florida, Fort Pierce, Florida. The, someone called the air traffic control 
And he said, I've got a serious situation here. My pilot has gone incoherent, and I have no idea how to fly an airplane. It happened around noon. They ran out, and they got Robert Morgan, who's taking a break. The reason they got Robert Morgan, because he knew how to do this. Uh, he had been 20 years in the on the tower control. He had been a flight instructor, had over 1,200 hours under his belt. He came up, got on the radio. Morgan gave the report to the reporters about this. He said, I, I knew the plane was flying. I, I just knew how I had to keep him calm, point him to the runway, and tell him how to reduce power so he could descend to land. I, I went through the motions. I went through the guidelines of how to fly the plane. Then Morgan proceeded to walk the first-time pilot step-by-step step through the landing procedure. Morgan even ran out of the tarmac and hugged his new student. Morgan said, it felt really good to help somebody, and he told me he couldn't wait to go home and hug his pregnant wife. The pilot, first-time pilot, said there was a calmness because he had someone right there telling him exactly what to do and telling him it's going to be okay, and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to empower you so you know exactly what to do. That's why he was calm. If a person can give us that much assurance, how much more should the Holy Spirit give us that calmness in this world? We stand by your heads. Jesus said, I, I, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send to you the comforter, the helper. How do you get this comforter, this helper? Well, by giving your life to Jesus. If you're watching online and you'd like to give your life to Christ in a personal way, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005 and a minister will give you a call. And they will tell you about how to give your life to Christ. And, and when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit will come into your life. And you'll have power to live the Christian life. You may be here tonight. You've never given your life to Christ. We give you the same invitation. As we begin singing, just come to the front. Talk to me or one of the ministers on the front row and say, I need to give my life to Christ tonight. Our Father, we thank you so much that you did not leave us alone. Father, we are living in a world that's dark. But because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we know that through Him, wherever we go, we bring the light. And so, Father, I pray you continue to empower us and continue to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.